0: I'm sure that many of you have heard the expression "blind faith." Um, 27 years ago, 27 and a half years ago, uh, Kim and I married on blind faith. Um, why I say that is because when we married, I had never tasted a meal that she had ever cooked. Didn't know if she could cook at all, um, but I had faith that blind faith that that she could. But she also had a degree of blind faith as well, because she had never heard me preach a sermon in my life and uh, in her life, and so we both kind of launched out together, and uh, I, I got the better end of the deal, though. She's a much better cook, but let me let me tell you something. <clears throat> Just the other day, we she was making something, something wasn't quite working out so well in the kitchen, and so... I burn water. I'm not a cook. One time I did. I I tried to do something and I was trying to get something done before she got home and I put water on. I boiled it out of the pan and scorched the bottom of the pan. I wasn't paying attention. So I know nothing about stuff. And I started to offer her suggestions. Well, you know what I think? If you would And I could see it was kind of irritating to her. She wasn't really appreciating or receiving my suggestions very well, and rightly so. Um, What do I know about cooking, and who am I to give instructions to her? Well, as I thought about that, I, I can't help but thinking about a story in the life of Jesus and Peter because we have a similar situation, and I think the reaction of Peter in this passage is significant. And so what I'd like for us to do is look at this passage together and then draw some practical applications from it that we might uh, be challenged in our own Christian life as well. The story that Steve just read us came from uh, the account came from Luke chapter 5. And uh, Jesus was, uh, well, as usual, there was a multitude of people there wanting to hear what he had to say. And he just kind of got in one of the boats that was on the shore and uh, asked Peter if he could use it and launch out a little bit. And he kind of used that as a pulpit. And all these people were on the shore and he just kind of backed out a little way and your voice carries on the water and he was able to speak to all those people. Well, when he got done, he asked Peter, let's, let's go on out a little further. Let's launch out into the deep. And uh, he said, and when we get out there, I want you to let down your nets. Peter said, well, wait, wait a second. I'm, we, we've been fishing all night. We didn't catch anything. There's nothing out there. And But he said, you know, if you say to do it, I'll do it. And so he let down the nets, and he pulled in this catch of fish. Well, there were so many that he had to holler to shore and have another Uh, helpers come out and join and well both boats started to sink because there were that many fish that they caught and uh, they came to shore and uh, peter and those that were with him on that occasion decided to become followers of jesus they saw there was something special about this man and so they left their occupation to follow jesus now that's the story that's the text What can I learn from that? Are there any practical applications from this passage? I think there are, and I want to share five of them with you this morning. Uh, The first one is this, that I, I think that we can see from this that the words of Jesus, they draw a crowd. Everywhere that Jesus went, we see a multitude followed, a multitude. You always hear about the multitude. There was a great number of people. And to give an uh, an idea as to the size of these multitudes, I know they varied from time to time, but there were, were occasions when there were 5,000 men, not including the women and the children. Uh, we're, we're talking about huge followings. And when they talk about the multitudes pressing against Jesus, can you imagine what would happen if... Um, you took some celebrity and put them in certain areas. They would just get mobbed by people. They have to have restraints and they have to have guards and so forth because everybody wants to be close to somebody who's famous. Everyone wants to touch them. Um, and so Jesus went around without security and the people pressed in on him. Why did they do that? Well, part of it is because of the miracles that he performed. He got everybody's attention. I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't you go to see a man who could speak to a man that was lame from birth and cause him to rise up? Wouldn't you follow a guy that was walking to the cemetery to raise a person from the dead and you see the dead come out of the grave? I would. Those are reasons why people follow Jesus. But people follow Jesus because he spoke with authority. Unlike the scribes of the day, unlike the Pharisees of the day, he would get up and he would speak and hush the crowd. They were at awe, they were amazed at what he had to say. So, why is it then that it seems like in many places we fail to speak the words of Jesus? We can think of every kind of uh, growth, method. Uh, Let's implement this. Let's implement that. Let's do this. Let's do that. This will draw a crowd. We we have all these strategies and ideas where we sit and we plan and we, we try to have the church to grow. How about something as simple as this? Let's speak the words of Jesus because they're words of salvation. They address people where they are in their sin. It calls them from sin and it promises them everlasting life. There's nothing that I can promise you any better than what Jesus has promised. So let's speak the words of Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11, Peter reminds us, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Let him speak what the word of God says. In Jonah, when Jonah went to Nineveh and preached to those people, do you remember what he preached? He didn't just go preach his own thing. He went and Preach the preaching that God bade him to preach. And it was successful. I'm just saying, let's not lose sight of that. Jesus drew a crowd. Part of it, yeah, the miracles that he did. Part of it was because people were astonished at his message. He spoke as one having authority. He spoke the truth. It was refreshing and people wanted to hear what he had to say. And people still want to hear the truth today. I don't think everybody out there is um, also sold out to sin and they just want to do what's bad. I, I don't believe that. There are some people like that. But I think there are a lot of people that just need help and they need direction and they would love to hear the words of Jesus. So that's lesson number one. The words of Jesus draw a crowd. I don't think that anything's different in our society today. Number two, Jesus told Peter to launch out into the deep. Do you you see that in the text? When when he gets done preaching, he says in verse 4, Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Here's a second lesson. If you're going to fish, you have to fish where the fish are, right? Have you ever seen little children get in the backyard and they have like a, a play fishing pole and, and they have a little uh, wading pool or whatever and, and you ask them what they're they're fishing? You know, well, they're not going to ever catch any fish because there aren't any fish in that pool, but they fish there anyway. But they're children. It's a game. But as we grow up, and as we become fishers of men, what good does it do to fish where there are no fish? Now, you know, this assembly, there may be people who are lost and who don't know Jesus. There may be a few, and uh, that, that, that's fine. We're glad that they're here, and we want to reach out to them. But you know, if you want to reach most of the people who are in that situation of lost uh, in their sins, needing salvation. You've got to get out of this building. It can't all take place right here. We've got to reach out and be friends. that That's where everybody... You see, I, if we... Uh, you know, I'm speaking to 400 people here today, but you've already been caught. Um, you're already belonging to Jesus. If we're to go fishing, what's the best way to do that? What if we all took that mission and left this building today and work this week at trying to catch or be fishers of men. That's where we make an impact. It's in the world. It's when we leave this place of worship and fellowship, and we go out and, and we reach out to people. We begin fishing for men. Let's do that. We have to realize that there's more. Well, I had a man tell me one time. We were talking about how to reach the lost in this particular community. And he said, you know what? He said, everybody in this town knows this building's right here on this corner. And they know that we have a sign out in front of the building. It says, we meet for Bible class at 9.30, worship at 10.30, and again on 6 o'clock on Sunday night and 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. He said, if they want it, they can come and get it. Well... That's true. They can come and get it. The only problem with that philosophy, though, is that it just doesn't do what Jesus said to do. Jesus said in Mark 16 and verse 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel. There's that commission to go. I have an obligation to take the gospel with me, to go. Nowhere does the Bible say, build a building, open doors, and let them come. They may, and that's great if they do, but the commission is to go. We have to go where the people are. Let's never lose sight of that. We have an, uh, an obligation to, to get out of the building and take this message to those who are lost. Here's a third thing that I see from this lesson, and that is that Peter had met with complete failure prior to what Jesus told him to do. And... Um, it's not easy to fail. you know how frustrating it is? Have you ever gone fishing and sat for hours and not you catch nothing? It's frustrating. These are professional fishermen whose livelihood depends on their catch, and, and they've been out all night and they haven't caught a thing. There are times when you just have failures. No explanation for it, I guess. You just fail, but here's the thing, you don't quit. You don't give up. You don't ever not go again. You, you pick up and try again the next day. Isn't that a lesson for us today? Have you ever gone fishing for men and, and you come back with no results? They didn't like what you had to say. They didn't listen to what you had to say. They maybe liked it, believed it, but there were other pressures that caused them to turn and walk away like the rich man did to Jesus. Jesus do you give up, do you quit, or do you keep fishing? Don't let failures cause you to quit fishing for souls. When I first began preaching, there was my secretary at uh, Nitro, West Virginia. She was one of the, the finest ladies that I ever knew. She was really a nice lady. Her Her mother had just passed away, and she was just a a gem of a lady as well. And her father was one of the finest men you would ever know. His name was Orville. Orville, that will give you an idea maybe of his age. You don't hear very many Orvilles nowadays. But Orville was an older man, and he was a church every time the doors opened. But he had never obeyed the gospel, Never. People had talked to him. We, everybody that knows him, knew him, everybody that had any kind of connection to him through the years had tried to get him to obey the gospel. He just wouldn't do it. His wife was one of the most faithful Christians. His family, his children were faithful Christians. He attended and helped work. He was one of the hardest workers in that congregation, yet he himself was not a member of the church. Hundreds, thousands of fishing expeditions were directed at catching him, and they all failed. Until the one day when someone caught him. And he came to the building and he said, You know what? I don't know why I've been putting this off. I know the truth. I've fought it. It's been pride on my part, and I need to get over that. I want to go to heaven. And so we went and we, were, we we baptized him into Christ. And there's a man who spent his entire life, the majority of his life, knowing truth but not obeying it. Many attempts had been made to catch him, but he resisted every one. But because people wouldn't quit, he obeyed the gospel of Christ. Orville's now deceased, but he lived as one of the hardest working faithful members of that congregation after he was baptized uh, that that the church ever knew there. But aren't you glad that people don't give up on you? What would happen if people gave up on you? Or maybe someone in your family, or maybe your mom and dad from whom you learned the truth. What if there were people who just quit, they gave up, they were met with failure and and so they, they just gave up and went on? Let's not quit. Sometimes we meet with success and sometimes we meet with failure. Let's just keep going when those times of failure come along. Here's a fourth point. Peter obeyed the words of Jesus. This gets back to the introduction, the, the cooking illustration, because Kim's the cook in our house. I don't know anything about food. I don't know anything about ingredients. And here I am telling her how to... Add certain ingredients to this and it'll make it better. She was like saying, no, it, it won't. That's not it. Yeah, just put a little bit of that. No. And I could see the frustration, rightly so. Think of Peter's perspective. Here's this guy. Well, he's a carpenter. He's a land lover. And he comes to Peter, who's a fisherman. It's his trade. It's his profession. He's done it all of his life, and this is what he makes his living. He's good at this. Have you ever had somebody come to you in an area where you're good at it, and they know very little, or they may be just a novice in that, and they start trying to feed you advice? You know, it might be better if you just do this, this, and this. And it's just its aggravating. It's annoying. You don't know as much as I do. Why are you trying to instruct me? Just let me take care of this. That's what Jesus comes to Peter and says, "Peter, launch out in the deep and let down your nets." And Peter says, "Well, we've already tried that." I I want you to launch out in the sea, and I want you to lower your nets. Peter could have said, "Listen, you know you know hammers and nails. I know fish. And we've been out there all night, and we've caught nothing." Forget about the fishing. He didn't have that attitude. You know what Peter said? He said, Lord, if you say do it, I'm going to do it. Isn't that a great lesson? Sometimes we think we know a whole lot. And we think that we're maybe even sometimes beyond the point of instruction. Because we've got, listen, I know this stuff. I'm good at this. But instead of trying to defend our turf, and defend our understandings, and to defend our positions, what if we just obeyed the words of Jesus? How much easier and better would it be, and how many people would come to Christ if we'd quit arguing and trying to defend a position on baptism and just do what Jesus said? I don't think you have to be baptized. I don't think you have to be immersed. I think you, any kind of mode will do, or I don't even think you have to do it. Because, uh, you know, what if we just did what Jesus said to do? Obey Him. And not try to argue with Him, and not try to reason around Him, not try to say we know this and that. We just do what He says. And you can just use that illustration, but, but just let that go out even further. What, what if we just decided, I'm going to do what Jesus said? Think of how many problems would be solved. And then finally, I want you to see that Jesus borrowed Peter's boat. He didn't run down there to the dock and jump in it before Peter could catch up to him and take off and just take it. He didn't commandeer it that way. He got in the boat and asked Peter to push out a little. And Peter responded. He borrowed Peter's boat, and like today, Jesus is not going to take control of your life without your consent. He has use of you. Just as he had use of the, lo- uh, the boat that Peter owned in order to perform his will and, his, and to do his duties, he, he has use of you and your life and your body. But he's not going to come upon you by force and take control of it and say, I want to do this with you. He's going to leave it to you. He's going to ask. The question is, what, what's our response going to be? Are you going to let him... Use you as freely as Peter let him use his boats. Peter said, Okay, you need it, you got it. Can we develop that? Can we develop more of that thinking instead of again defending ourselves or making excuses or talking about the sacrifice that it may cost us? Instead of thinking about our schedules, and what, what if first. Before anything came, my response to Jesus. You know, one of the things that uh, when, our, when our boys began to do some public service and so forth, and, and when I was a child and my parents, sometimes um, guys would come around. You know, the deacons have one of the hardest jobs, running around before church, trying to make sure everybody's here when there's so many people needed to, to pull off A service like this. And so they have to run around and make sure everybody's here and mark off their name so that every duty can be accomplished. And when I was a child, my parents said, if you're ever asked to do something, I want you to understand it's not just because there's something that needs to be done at church. You're volunteering for your Lord. And I want you to understand it and think of it in that regard. And ever since then, that's stuck with me. I you know, if somebody comes and says, listen, I really need somebody to do this or to do that, if it's within my power, I want to respond positively. I don't want to say, well, yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't feel like it. I, don't. I want to respond to the requests of Jesus. If there's an opportunity where I can step up and do something on behalf of Jesus, I want to be the guy. I want to be... the. If you're sitting there, I, I, you need to be the woman or you need to be the man who says, I want to step up and do what Jesus needs done. Peter said, Jesus, take my boat. Borrow it. Use it however you need to. And when you tell me what to do, I, I'll, I'll do it. If we could only develop that same mindset, Lord, take my life, it's yours anyway. But I know you're not going to force yourself on me, but if you need me to do something, you can count on me. Remember Isaiah? Here am I. Send me. I'll do it. I'll volunteer. From this story in Luke chapter 5, we see, I think, several facts that are applicable to us today and maybe challenging to us to remind us that um, there are things that, that we may not be doing uh, in terms of service to God as freely as maybe we ought. The Lord still needs people today just like he needed Peter's boat back then. And if we have the faith to give our lives to Jesus like Peter had the faith and trust in him to turn his boat over to Jesus, I wonder what good can be accomplished When Peter, who had met with failure, said to the Lord, if you need it, you've got it, it's yours. And when he went out with Jesus in his boat, they had a haul. They had the catch. Had to even call for help to bring it in. There were that many. With Jesus' help, they were successful. If you turn your life over to Jesus, do you think the results will be any different? if He works with you and in you and through you and you surrender yourself fully to Him, do you think that He'll let you fail? I believe that's a recipe for success. It worked for Peter, and I believe it'll work for us. Not only if we turn our lives over to Jesus and give Him control and go fishing for Him, not only will we save other people, in this life, but we'll save ourselves. I want to call you to go fishing this morning. I want to extend to you the invitation, as Jesus did, to the apostles to become fishers of men. Launch out into the deep. Let Jesus have control of your vessel, your life. And launch out and lower your nets where you think you may have no success. But let God do his work and see what the Lord can do. If you're here this morning you're not yet a child of God, why don't you obey the gospel? Again, at the word of Jesus, Peter did what he said. Listen to what Jesus said. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Take him at his word. Don't argue with it. Just do what he said. If you haven't done that this morning, we'll assist you in that. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful and you need to make your life right, you want to dedicate or rededicate yourself to the task of becoming a fisher of men, we'll pray with you to that end if you'll come as we stand together and sing.